Welcome to a special edition of the Darden Admissions Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Twitty, and you are listening to a new episode. On this episode of the podcast, I'm excited to share my recent conversation with Jerry Yemen. Jerry is Senior Researcher and Executive Director for the Darden Case Writing Research Group, and she has interviewed protagonists and written or co-authored over 400 cases, teaching notes and technical notes during her time here at Darden. If you have ever wondered how a case comes together, this episode is essential listening. So without further ado, here is my interview with Jerry Yemen. Jerry, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you. I'm eager to have a conversation with you about case writing. It's great to have you here. You know, so we were talking before we got started, and there's some misconceptions about what case writers do or what case writing is and what it looks like. And I'm excited to learn myself. I, I will admit, I, I'm, I scheduled this conversation partly for my own education, but I'm, I have no doubt that our listeners are also interested into, in what goes into writing a case. So thank you so much for being here. Well, I, I'm happy to answer any questions and sort of um, share, you know, how, and I, I, I will literally call it how the sausage is made. Um, you know, I'm happy to share my experiences. Well, before we get into all of that, uh, how are how are things going for you? How are you doing? Excellent. We have had, I mean, I would say, you know, a lot of that in which we will probably get into later is that the growth of my team has really helped, um, you know, with our case writing. So we are producing more and more cases and just interesting cases have always been interesting um but i i really have to say that we're things are going well for me because i have so many talented folks that i work with yeah that would, i can only imagine you know working with the faculty and where all these cases come from and sort of writing them and publishing put them out to the world and they get used uh certainly a dart and they get used at other business schools um, and so folks know, they know something about the Darden academic experience. They've likely heard that uh, we're case method schools, kind of student-centered discussion learning. So um, let's start before we even get to all of that. Um, let's talk a little bit more about you. So tell us who you are and, and what's your background. I'd rather talk about cases than me. <laughs> um, well, so actually, interesting enough, my background is in political science. So I'm not a writer by trade um, or or by education. And um, so, and, and before that, before I went back to school, I was a nurse. And so I had like a couple different paths that one would never connect with case writing, case research. Um, but they actually both really help because one part that you were always taught as a nurse is to listen. And that's really important um, as a case researcher. And the other part is, you know, from the, I studied political science and I looked at voting behavior. And so it was a quant driven, um, you know, education. And so that really translated well when you think about, you know, business school case studies and different functional areas and, you know, preparing materials for these. And where is home for you originally? So I'm from, uh, I'm from Canada, but even Canadians laugh when I tell them where I'm from. So I'm from, I was born in a place called Prince Albert, Saskatchewan, Canada. Um, so that's, uh, it's, it's up north, really up north. 
And um, it's, I wouldn't say that it's, you know, people get an idea that perhaps I came from a real, you know, there was real seclusion, but it's not that you're secluded. It's just that it's a, it's a, the elements are harsh and there aren't a lot of people. Um, But we just live a little differently because of that. And I always, now that I go home, having lived in Virginia for many, many years, it's, it's really a challenge because I'm just not used to the harsh element. And I know my life's easier because I live in a warm climate. That's kind of fun. Well, I, I will share, you may know this already, you to put this together. You're our first guest from Saskatchewan here on, <laughs> on the podcast. So that's very exciting. Um, so I'm sure our listeners are wondering, how do you get from Saskatchewan to Charlottesville? How does that happen? Yeah, so that actually was my uh, spouse. So um, he, you know, and he actually, I, I always tell people I'm married to a Southerner because he's from Regina, which is the capital of Saskatchewan. And it's in, it's about, you know, 60 miles north of North Dakota. So it's most Canadian, Canadians tend, most of our cities actually are closer uh, to the U.S. border. So I tell people I'm married to a Southerner. <laughs> <laughs> but it was his, he always wanted to go to Harvard and, you know, from a kid from Saskatchewan at that time, that was kind of challenging. Um, but I just remember saying to him, we can do this. You know, we already had a couple kids. <laughs> and I was going, well, you can figure this out. You're a smart guy. Um, so we ended up, that was, that was the pathway. So he ended up going to Harvard and then going on faculty there and, um, then he was invited to come to the University of Virginia. And there's kind of the, uh, 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 you know, it's it's kind of an interesting path because I did not want to leave Boston. I thought it was warm and really kind of an interesting place. Um, but I was, I was told some advice that I just really, one time when I was visiting with him and I did not want to come. And um, this, this uh, very clever and smart, gentle physician said to me, sometimes opportunities come along and you need to know when to recognize them. (laughs) And I was young and I took that to heart. I mean, at the time, I think I was like 29 or something, 27, 29. I took that to heart because I was going to block this. I was not moving from Boston. And in retrospect, it was great because look, and I ended up here case writing. All right, so we're following uh, your journey from Saskatchewan to Boston to to Charlottesville. So, how do you get to Darden specifically? Yeah, let's get let's get really to the the good part. Is how do I get to Darden? So I'm sitting down. There used to be a donut shop down on Barracks Road at the bottom of the hill, and this was a fairly new building at the time. And on grounds, people referred to it as Versailles. And there was an ad, we're having coffee with some friends and there was an ad in the, it was, it was, I believe it might've even been Seville Weekly, and which at the time was considered an underground paper. You know, it was quite, for that time period, it was, it was, and there was an ad for a diversity case writer at the Darden School of Business. And I saw this and I was asking my friend, so what do you think this is all about? And because I studied, uh, you know, race and in, in voting behavior, I was this idea of, you know, diversity at the business school. What does that mean? What's a case? And again, I thought case was empirical methods, N equals one, right? So I had a different view of what a case might be. I had no idea what a business case study was. 
Um, and I came up here and there, and the first person I met, there was a receptionist who was incredibly warm and inviting. And she just said, help yourself to a cup of coffee. My friends had all laughed at me to think that, oh, what would they do with you up there? You know, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it was really just kind of, well, I'm going to see what this is. And uh, Lily Powell had put, was, I th believe at the time, the dean was Ted Snyder. And I believe that she had some funding to look at diversity in cases. And this is 1998. And what they wanted to look at was how could we, how could the school, I shouldn't say we because I wasn't part of the school then, but how could the school increase, um, one, where was the case collection in terms of, of diversity? And two, how could the school make efforts to um, add some inclusion in the case studies? Because at the time, most of the case studies, you know, well, nobody knew what you know, what sort of the demographics or anything were of them at the time. Um, and so she started this initiative and was funded. And so I was hired. <laughs> I can't believe it, but I was actually hired um, to look at, you know, just had a wonderful welcoming conversation with Lily and then, you know, apply for the job and landed it. And it was 20 hours a week. So I read the case collection and our definition of diversity was really broad. So me being a Canadian was diverse um, because we were just trying to, you know, okay, anything that wasn't an American, you know, company. Um, so a Canadian company, it was really kind of interesting how we were just trying to find some difference. And of course, then that role changed a little bit. And it was kind of an experiment too, because think up to this time, a lot of faculty had written all their own cases and there was that expectation that they write them, that they do the research um, and take on everything about their cases. Well, you can imagine, you know, that it's, that that's okay. Can, can somebody from the outside come in and, and support this effort? So that's what I did. And I walked around and tried to find out people like, okay, what is case writing? How does this work? And there wasn't really a clear path. <laughs> it was, well, you know, faculty had some research funds and they would hire somebody in their functional area to help um, them with this. And that's exactly what it went. And we didn't have Darden Business Publishing. It was a, called the Darden Case Collection, which was really just a library of, you know, cases that faculty had written over the years. And so that's how it all started. That's so interesting. So it's something of like a novel role that you walked into, right? The faculty trying to figure out how you can be helpful to faculty who have largely worked on this on their own. That seems potentially challenging. Yeah. So, well, and eventually what my really what my mission was, was to write cross-functional across every functional area. And, um, and and that faced its own challenges because it's not like I'd ever worked in a business outside of a hospital in my nursing career. And then I went back to school and, um, and you know, my, my area, you know, um, graduate school was political science. And um, so it was like, okay, what could I see? Well, economics, I can see. 
economics, I was fine because back in the day, economics and political science were very closely related. And there was, you know, the rational choice voter, there's a rational market. I mean, there were just language things that I had, but there was something that was even more interesting that evolved was that my office was in the library. And so the librarians and Karen Marsh was the reference librarian at the time. And she went on to become director of the library before Tom um, who's there now, but she, um, I went out to her and I said, okay, you need to show me where do I find things about the stock market? Where do I, find? I was just, how do I find, and I just, you know, would spend any time in between um, what I was supposed to be doing, which is, you know, helping uh, write some cases was, okay, I need to understand what they're teaching. And all these materials that were on reserve, I started reading everything that the students had to read. And I read the first, the case collection, um, every single case that they had at the time, and their teaching notes, because I had the first action item was that I would look to see at the level of diversity of our cases and put it together in a spreadsheet. So that, um, you know, when it came down to writing cases, though, you bring up a really valid point. I had no expertise whatsoever. <laughs> and I relied on a lot of people to help me. <laughs> Maybe a little bit of an unfair question, but do you remember the first case you worked on? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And um, interesting enough, I then went to I, the, one of the first cases I wrote. So I wrote three at a time because, you know, there was there case writing is, uh, you know, as a case researcher, you you have, you know, you have deadlines. You know, people want these in their classroom and, and you have opportunities to interview um, you know, to interview company executives or really, you know, people who just practitioners, um, not just executives. And so it's when they are available, you have to be available. So I remember a couple of my first cases. And um, at one point, it, this one just, it, it clearly just read like a, you know, a B, not B level novel it was just so terrible and I remember the professor reading it and you know I talk about describe this I'm setting the setting you know the dark and stormy night the opening paragraph and this thing is you know a teardrop table in the in the conference room and it was actually about an acquisition right but I have this you know the protagonist which was a female and she's in this you know starch stark white shirt and looking all correct and it was just awful and the professor reads it and says okay so you need to learn something about how to write these cases. And I said, well, I just was trying to bring the reader in because I was, I read the collection and there's some pretty boring openings and they're all the same. Um, so I was trying to make them different. And I went to the, I went to a case writing workshop. It was like, okay, I got to learn how to do this. So Harvard didn't offer them and they still actually interesting enough, don't offer case writing workshops uh, for the public, but um, Ivy, up in Ontario did. So I went back to Canada and I went to this and um, learned how to case write and had this conversation because of opening section that they assigned you, you had to interview an Ivy grad and develop a case throughout the week. And part of their opening introduction about sections of cases was, okay, well, you do have to have six, there are six things that need to be in every opening case. And I had no idea that they, they did, you know, you have to have the reader needs to know students really they need to know the company they need to know the location they need to know 
with the, the protagonist's name. There has to be some time frame considered. Um, you know, geopolitical things change. What's where are we at? I mean, and so there's this list of things, and you had 60 words at Ivy to come up with your opening section. Well, I couldn't write anything at that time in 60 words and have such an inviting opening section that I thought was required. Um, and having this discussion with this professor that was running the workshop and him just laughing. So I showed him the opening section to that case I described on the acquisition. And he just started laughing. And he said, I said, well, why don't you, because they use an example, they show you an example of one that's not well written. I said, why don't you guys just use that from now on? So they used that in their workshops. I gave them permission to use it for what not to do. So they plastered it up there. And then when I went on to teach case writing workshops, I always threw that up there first and say, okay, so how did this, how did this one work, right? Like, you know, after you introduce what really should be in an opening section, then I'll throw this up on a whiteboard or something and go, okay, so what do you think about this one? How does it sit with, and people are so busy looking for the date and all these other things, but you will hear some giggles because I generally ask somebody to read it aloud and it is pretty funny. It's, it's pretty, pretty bad. So it's a huge learning curve in case research, um, writing, nobody can write a perfect sentence ever to start. Um, and, and this idea that, um, you know, I, I have to say that my writing skills improved, um, but I needed to know how to write a case. And then the other thing that comes really becomes very apparent is that each functional area has a different, cases are different. So how you structure them, how you think about them, they're different. But that was my start. And yeah, they were pretty embarrassing. And I would say that everybody in, so I, I have a really good relationship with my counterpart at Harvard. And people think that we are competitors and we're not. Um, she's my mentor. She just embraced me. I went up to Harvard and spent time with them and just, um, that's, you know, she's the one who really helped guide me and really helped set up the Darden Case Writing Research Group. Because without her helping me and guiding me, I wouldn't have known what I needed and how to go about uh, creating what we, what we did. Well, let's talk a little bit about the life cycle of how a case comes together. Um, hopefully this sounds like a fair question because it's one thing I, I can say I don't really know much about. I've read the end product and it's funny to hear you mention the the first 60 words, the intro, uh, what you have to accomplish. I've always been struck by they have, a, in some ways, a similar structure. They, they kind of say these things, and, and that makes total sense. If uh, you have you know six key things that you have to communicate, it makes sense that there'd be similar structures. Right. And, you know, and, and the structure of cases are really, I mean, they're, they're very deliberate and they're very strategic. And they are developed... Um, a lot of them with a functional area in mind and also with the level of student, right? So a second year case might be a little more challenging than a first year case, right? So I might, um, and even in the graphics, you might put something in the graphics that, um, you know, that you would, you would tie them together for an introductory um, class. Um, and, and the graphic would show, you know, maybe you were showing general administrative costs and, and as that was happening, you know, that, that it was having a, a percentage of the revenues, it was having an effect on the revenues, right? If you were in a more advanced level of, of the class or a deeper, you know, perhaps it's 
it's going to be taught near the end of a first year course, or even in a second year elective, you might not make that connection for students. You would just put the data together and then they would have to draw it through the chart and go, you know, there's something going on with the general administrative costs here and then figure it out. Right. So, and it depends on what the professor wants to teach. So cases are all driven by the professors. Um, I can't write you a case because I, I'm not an expert in business if, unless I know what you want to teach. Um, and so that's how how cases start is you have to have teaching objectives. You know, a lot of times cases will, you know, people will think and it, and it happens and we all will do it is, oh, I just met this practitioner. This would be a really good case. And then you write it and then you try to figure out how to teach it. And that is probably the least effective way to, to use your time to start. Um, and the other thing that happens is that we are not the only people who write cases at Darden. So professors have two options. Really, they have three options. One is to write their own. And there are some professors who still will write all their own materials. Um, you know, uh, the other option is they have research funds and they can hire whoever they want. You know, maybe it's a PhD student. Maybe it's... Uh, you know, sometimes for summer help, they'll hire Darden students or, or um, you know, maybe it's a research assistant they have for their research and they ask them to do some case writing. So so there's that avenue. And then there's the Darden case writing research group, which which I, I'm in. And it is, you know, this is all we do is case writing or case research. Um, and and how that starts with us is usually somebody, sometimes they come to the door, sometimes they yell off, I leave my window open in my office, they'll yell, hey, Jerry, yeah, got a case for you, right? Or, hey, can I talk to you? Or it's really so, it, you know, the, the creativity and innovation in this place comes from our professors and their ideas, right? And so they will, they are so, you know, I have to say they're so excited about what they want to put in their classrooms but it's always tied to the learning, right? So it might not be, it might be they have an idea, but they don't have, they haven't reached out to a protagonist. They don't haven't looked up the necessarily the research yet or those kind of things, but they have these amazing ideas uh, or they have gaps in their curriculum that, or there's something that comes along that they really want to teach. And then they'll show up and they'll say, these are my ideas. This is what I want to teach. And, you know, and then we will brainstorm. We get, there's um, six in my group. There's a six of us. And each one of us has a different functional area expertise. And, and we also have some cross-functional expertise, you know, but finance is a huge, you know, it takes me forever to write a finance case. I mean, I had to in the beginning because it was me, um, but they were not nearly as good. They took me forever. Professors were so patient, um, but you know, it's, I, I now have, you know, actually three, three um, case researchers who are all re really amazing in finance and accounting. And so I would never have to write those cases anymore. Um, and, um, but anyhow, so, so it depends on, on, you know, who you assign, but we will have our Monday morning meeting and go, Hey, does anybody know? So here's an example we just had this week, maybe it was last week, but, um, it's just an example of somebody was looking for, a professor was looking for um, a, a case about idea theft. 
And I hope that <laughs> I don't think I'm revealing anything to any students here on this one. But okay, so then um, what are some of some ideas? And the professor came with these what, what what they wanted to teach. And so, you know, we kind of brainstormed. Does anyone have connections here? Does anyone know anything like this? Or, you know, another example would be companies. There was one on company looking for a company that that did had had you know, sort of the Patagonia model of being very political and socially active with their brand, but everybody uses Patagonia, okay, or everybody uses Starbucks, or so could we go outside and think of something else, and we came up with these companies, this company, one in Germany and one in China, right, and it was just by our own experiences and some connections that we reach out to, and the other thing about these ideas of where we get ideas for cases is within Darden. There isn't anybody in this organization that doesn't touch on case writing. I reach out to, you know, whether it's, there's, there's, you know, people that, like, I'm, I'm thinking that people in engagement in, um, in the creatives that are, that are in the, you know, that, that run the technology at Darden. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's it's James, it's people that work in the kitchen, it's people, I reach out to them all the time. Okay, how does this work? Do you have any ideas of this? How would this, right? Because everybody has this love of cases because they're at dark. All right, now that's 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 just a, a gimme, which I found kind of interesting when I got here. So everybody loves them. And, and, and nobody ever says no. Even though I'm calling and I want something from them, it's not like I can ever help you do anything, right? But I'm always asking or someone from my group is always asking. And so everybody here has some input to the case, right? To how cases are developed. It's incredible. Um, and now I've digressed because I can't remember what was going on other than we, this is how they start is, you know, ideas. All right, so you've got an idea, you've got a teaching objective, an idea, maybe you've developed some companies. Do you then reach out to the companies and say, hey, we're from the Darden School, would you be interested in uh, being part of a case? Yes, yeah. Um, you know, some of us are more comfortable as case researchers, we're more comfortable reaching out to folks. Um, I mean, I have no problem picking up the phone and the finance guys have no problem picking up the phone because they were all in, you know, private equity and things. And they, they, they're used to calling companies and asking. Um, and I don't know, I guess uh, my background, I'm just, you know, it's people generally uh, like to help, but, and there's ways around it. Like you can reach out to other people. So I, I was just, it was somebody in Darden who just gave us an amazing contact that I was really hoping to get. And it's the case is supposed to be taught in Q4, which is coming up in a few weeks. And I haven't even started it because I couldn't get a hold of who I was, we were hoping would be the protagonist. Somebody in Darden had a direct relationship and just connected me. Um, so away we go. Um, so yeah, you reach out to companies. Not everybody um, is understands. So we generally start with the University of Virginia because not everybody understands Darden or cases or no Darden. Um, and for the most part, there's, <laughs> I've had some, yeah, I've had some failures and I've had some fun. Oh my gosh. I had, I had a great, um, you know, we, we didn't have, this is several years ago. Um, in, and as I think about this, we probably still don't have many cases on unions. Well, you know, for global, uh, we're now much more global and um, a lot of areas of the world, you have to know uh, relationship building and, and unions and how they function. And, 
um, you know, what the, what is a manager that means to you. Um, so trying to get this union case several years ago, it was for Erica James, I'll tell you that because she was so much fun. And it's, I don't know if it's, it's an interesting story. It's kind of fun. So I, um, you know, reach out to the, he's actually the president of the United Steel Workers of America at the time. And I reach out and have difficulty. I use my Darden contact, not thinking that, oh, this is a union um, and management is not probably <laughs> something that they're still all that willing to help necessarily, but it didn't occur to me at the time. And um, so I do get through to his executive assistant and we have a fairly decent conversation until I tell her what I, that I'm at a business school and I'm looking for some help and would like to speak to uh, the president. And um, Leo Gerard was his name and he, and I can tell share all this because it's published and he signed the release and he would come to Darden. Um, but it was, it was just, it, it was pretty funny because he, she was not going to help eventually and I went oh who is this guy and I look more at him it turns out he's a Canadian and it turns out that he was from Ontario and he started a lot of his speeches with you know he was a son of a coal miner a union coal miner in Sudbury Ontario and so I finally you can figure out anybody's email if you have somebody else's and I had his assistance sent him an email how about the son of a coal miners you know knowing kind of a Knowing I might not get this, I was a little more asked, Erica, is it okay if I just throw out this email and see, you know, it's not the usual way. I had sent a zillion emails that were really polite of what I was looking for. But this time I just threw this out and she said, sure. And so I said, how about the son of a union coal miner from Sudbury, Ontario, at least have the courtesy to reply to the daughter of a union railroader from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, because I I went to school in Saskatoon, so... (laughs) He would know Saskatoon. And it was like, I don't know, maybe about 15 minutes later or something, my phone rings in my office and I pick it up and I'm used to people being very polite on the phone. It was this big booming voice. What's all this bump um, about a, <laughs> a, a union railroader's daughter from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan? So I knew immediately who it was. And when I get nervous, I laugh, because you can probably tell through this interview. But I'm, so I'm laughing, right? And, and I go, that's not that, that. I said, I'm actually, you know, from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. And he said, I don't give a where you're from. Are you the daughter of a union railroader? <laughs> and I said, yes, I am. My dad helped establish Brock. And I said, you know, I, as, a, as a kid, I went to the picket line with him. Oh, well, it's really nice to meet you. I'm Leo Gerard, president of the United Steelworkers of America. How can I help you? And so then I explained what I wanted. And I said, and then the professor is Erica James. And he goes, wait, 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 wait. Is she the daughter of a union railroader from Sess? I said, hang on a minute. Her office is just down from mine. I ran out of my office to Erica's. Any union connections? And she goes, well, uh, uh, well my grandfather was a Pullman porter. I come back on, grab the phone. I said, does a Pullman Porter work? And he went, she's in. So he came to Darden. We did the case. He came to Darden and, you know, it was a, it was, he walked into the classroom and he has this really beautiful suit on and he's, he's a very, very striking, a a very, you know, just, he had a presence. He takes his jacket off, rolls up his sleeves and says, so this is what a group of budding capitalists looks like. And it was on. 
And the great part about the whole discussion was that it was, he never used the word union. He always used the word labor movement. And then he, he was a friend of the uh, school for several years. He would come when they talked the case. But yeah, that's the cases you never know. <laughs> All right. So you go and you talk with folks at the company. I mean, so that's one example. I mean, what's it like to go and visit? Let's say the person's open to being a protagonist. I imagine maybe not everybody is, but you finally get someone who is open to that. What's it like to go and interview them? Well, that's, I mean, that's fascinating. There's a lot of work you have to do up front because you never want to ask questions that you can find publicly. What we really need to know is the why. Um, and then not all cases are uh, field-based cases. You know, um, there's some, some functional areas, particularly where companies don't want to talk about their, um, you know, ab about some of their challenges or issues. And we, remember, we're always want, looking for practitioners' experiences where they struggle. Right. And so it's not like this is a best practice all the time. It's just, OK, well, a reasonable person could make a decision given several options, which is what really managers have to do all the time. And you just are trying to make a reasonable choice based on the frameworks that professors help you unfold in their classrooms. Right. So um, so, so so the public source cases, we'll, we'll talk about that just for a second. And those are either library-based cases or public source cases are value because you can, you have a greater um, ability to sort of pick and choose what you're going to put into a case in terms of, you know, what, what you can have the students sort of think about, right? Um, so there's value in those cases, but quite often I will send those cases to a company um, in fact, it, the ones that I write, I generally try and most people in my group to send them to the company because they will often give us a, a quote or, you know, a correction or because it's hard to write things from public sources because we, we don't know the whole story. Um, whereas the practitioner, the field-based case where you go to the company, well, that's exactly on what they tell you it is because it's their experience. It's what that practitioner and the people around them experience. So yeah, it's it's so, I would have to say, it's been one of the most fascinating things over, if you think about it, I've been here since 98. One of the most fascinating things, I've met so many people around the world um, because our cases, I've interviewed people in China, I've been to Saudi Arabia, I've been, I mean, you name it, I've been around the world interviewing at different organizations. And I just the it is the most fat one of the most fascinating th things about the job, and of course you have to keep everything confidential, and so I can't even talk about all the fascinating things that where you maybe you feel like you fell short or maybe you feel like you did really well and then things didn't turn out right. Just having somebody there where it's conf confidential is it is really kind of um an interesting part i learned a lot i imagine that sort of confidential nature allows people to be more open uh with you at least i would think so yeah yeah and it's you know it's distinguishing and that's one of the reasons why the title is case researcher not case writer because companies equate that with journalists where they don't control um, so we have releases that we have to have signed and anything that you tell me is confidential and it's held confidential. Now, you know, um, most people will allow me to use a recorder 
over the years. And I promise to get rid of it to the extent that you can, you know, you delete them, but, um, you know, I suppose somebody could always <laughs> technology, right. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a real trust relationship and I'm so grateful to all. And this is even our students and, and other people in business who, do, who aren't from case method, just how much they're willing to give to management education by talking to us. And so you gathered this information, whether it's sort of public source or you know, private, private sourced information. And then how long does it take to form into, I mean, is the shape of the case obvious as you start to have these conversations? I mean, what's the next step in the process? Yeah, so um, you actually start writing your case even before. This is how I teach, um, and 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 actually, even I think almost everybody in my group does a, has a similar approach. Is you start writing the case before, right? Because you have to do an industry and company background before you even show up to know what they what they do, right? Because again, you don't want to be asking any questions that you can find publicly. So I, we start writing that right away. So I never, people say, well, do you, do you ever have, you know, do you ever see this blank sheet of paper and go, oh, how am I going to get started? I never have writer's block. Uh, well, for a couple of reasons. One, you always got somebody hitting you upside the head going, look, at, I need that next week. I'm going to teach that, right? Uh, or the editors say, are you going to get this to us before it, it gets taught? Which quite often doesn't when it's a new case. Um, we just don't have the bandwidth, the time. Um, and and it, they're living, breathing things. So we tend to refine them after it's been taught the first time. But, but yeah, you know, um, it's start, you start, they're sort of a, again, it's like the, if you, students who, or, or those who have read a lot of cases or are about to read a lot of cases, will see that there's a structure to most of them. And a lot of that structure we write beforehand, the company, it goes from the, you know, the broad information to the narrower. And then it's a narrower information that we get. So it's what's specific to the challenge to the case, right? What you what you describe it, what we would describe as sort of the tension to the case. Okay, so there's a decision that has to be made at some point. And so any information about that decision is what we generally get from the companies. And so you start slogging through your, your interview notes. And yes, I still take notes. Although I started showing up a little sharper a few years ago because I went to a tech company and it was out in California and I show up with my old recorder and a notebook and the CFO started making fun of me going, come on, you look like you crawled out of the Ivy Tower with a notebook. I haven't seen one of those in years, right? So I ended up getting everybody eye pro <laughs> so that we have a bit. I still take notes, but it's this time it's it's better with it has the the uh, tech pen and it's on the eye pro. <laughs> but, and you can record at the same time and you don't even have to take notes because it will, you know, now digitally get you the uh, words. So it, we have advanced, but but it really is like going through all those again. So where does that fit in the case? All right. So where would I put that one to have students, a reasonable person go down this way or this way or this path? Right. Who do I put here? What do I put here? And it really is a strategic uh, what fits and what doesn't. And what do they have to know and what don't they have to know? Right. Because length of cases is sometimes an issue. Yeah, my impression of Darden cases is that they have they are shorter 
um, that I mean, not always, but that there's like an economy uh, to them, um, at least the ones that, that I've seen. You know, it's interesting because I, I would walk to work when I first started and I would go through the path where the students walk and I start asking them, so what makes a good case, right? <laughs> because remember, and sometimes they'd be lost students because I didn't know, you know, they're, they're all walking to the same place, uh, a similar place, right? And so sometimes I get an answer from a lost student. And so then I go, oh, in my mind, okay, that's a lost student. Um, but the business students would, oh, number one, short. <laughs> in my non-scientific asking around what was the best a short one um so yeah i think that our cases tend to be a little more succinct um maybe it's, yeah maybe I, and, and i do hear there is a difference between and 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 i know because i have a harvard um one aldo one of our case researchers spent 20 years at uh, working for karen at harvard so um, and he's with me now and, um, and Karen still talks to me, <laughs> but, um, he's, you know, he, his writing style is a little bit different and, um, and he has said how much he's enjoyed. There is the difference in the, in the cases and, and how faculty, um, think about not necessarily think about their cases, but how they, you know, they do, um, tend to be a little, a little less concise sometimes as well as as shorter. So I imagine as you're pulling the case together, you're thinking about the structure where information can be added in. There's a sort of ongoing dialogue with the faculty member. Um, I, I, at least I assume that there is. So that depends on the faculty member and it depends on the experience of the case researcher. So for those of us, so there's three of us, you know, between the three of us, we probably have like uh, let's see, I got 25, all 50, 60. We probably have about 70 years of experience writing cases between the three of us. And so there's very little that a professor does, uh, has to do other than they read the first draft. Um, you know, we do have conversations, you know, going along, right? Just make sure that we're, that we're going to go down a direction that the professor envisions is fine. And so you have meetings and, you know, you have a meeting and throw all this together. And then it's really the first draft. So we have several drafts. Okay. And that's, I mean, and that's the other thing is, you know, you don't write a single draft, you know, some of them I will write, you know, before I even send it to a professor, I've written six drafts of myself. Right. Um, so, so yeah, it's, it's, it's writing and writing and writing and, and it's a process. So if you read my first draft, you couldn't make sense of it because I've combined my research notes from public sources and I've combined what I learned from the company. And, you know, just one of the things you always have to think about is you don't ever want to plagiarize. So one of the ways of getting around that, and this is probably a really good piece of information for anyone who wants to write is anything that I write public from public sources, I always put the citation right there, but I never write what the sentence is or what the paragraph of it is. If they're, if they're using something, you know, so, so just an example this morning on cloud ERP, well, there seems to be there's this distinction between the cloud ERP on there's a you know one that's about a product and one that's about for services, and so I use a citation, but I don't use all those words. I will own I only have like two words: product and service ERP, and then I cite them, and that way then it forces me to write my own when I get to that point 
where I'm actually writing paragraphs on certain things and connecting ideas and things from public sources and things from what the company says, right? That's when you put these things together and add more words. But yeah, it's 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 really a craft. You ended up do you end up doing most of that as a case researcher. You send your first draft, which from our group is pretty solid, pretty nice. Um, and um, because even my new case re- researchers, and by new I mean you know I have case researchers who have been here for a couple of years, but they still are teamed up with one of us. The th- you know the three that have been writing for a long time are doing this for a long time because it's such a huge learning curve. Um, and, and then you send it to the professor and, um, you go from there and yes, I think this will work. Yes, it won't. You get, it goes to the classroom. That's always really exciting because all our materials go into the classroom. We do not write a single thing that does not hit a darkened classroom. We just don't have the bandwidth. Um, it would be nice if we could write cases for seeds of, of faculty's research and I think that that may come at some point, but we just don't have the bandwidth in our group to do that at this point. Um, but yeah, it goes to the classroom. Well, what if it doesn't sing, right? What if there's like, it just doesn't do what the professor was hoping? Do we throw it out? What do we do? What's that like um, to hear back from the faculty member or maybe even see uh, class discussion and find that the case really works, that you know, there's a really great discussion and it accomplishes the teaching objective. Yeah, so we always uh, we always watch because we have to write a teaching note. Okay, so every case should have a teaching note. Um, and it's not for our professors because they already, you know, they, they develop the teaching note, you know, they've developed their teaching plan. They know what they want to teach and how they want to unfold it. Um, and, and they will experiment with that too, right? You know, because it, it, case method is the questions you ask in class can make or, or break it, right? So it can derail a discussion. Um, and sometimes it's not the professor asking the question, it's the students. So, you know, there's such a, I just have such a respect. I just, you know, these these maestros and professors, you know, how it, it all falls together. But yeah, so we always either, you know, we used to always be in the classroom sometimes, you know, COVID changed that a little bit, but quite often we still are in the classroom because you get a better view of, of where things might've struggled or where students need more clarification or things that come up that you hadn't thought about. And a lot of that goes into sort of a teaching note and this for other people who buy the cases that may not be as seasoned at teaching uh, case method as our professors are. Um, and yeah, and sometimes, and sometimes you just sit there and you're so, you just go, these students are just so amazing. They're so brilliant. And then other times you go, wait a minute, I thought that was so important when, and that's why I put that in there. How come nobody jumped on that? And then you realize, well, because it just didn't matter, right? <laughs> because our students have business experience, right? Um, so, so, you know, there's this knowledge in the room of students. And so, and sometimes you get ideas from that. And so you go back to the professor or they'll come to your office and we debrief and go, you know, that they really stumbled on that. And that was really part of the learning. They were, you know, the professor was really pleased that there was some trying to figure this out, right? Um, and then there's other times when you just go, no, and the professor will say, you know what, that's not how I want this to unfold. And that's when you don't feel so great because you sort of feel like you were responsible for that. But the great part about, about this whole process is they'll try to teach it more, right? Like I'll make some revisions or, you know, someone else in the group will make some revisions. 
they go back in there with the same thing that they knew didn't work at the time, but some changes, maybe this works because they're not giving up on it. Right. So it's really, yeah, it's, it's really quite fascinating. It is fun. Also uh, from the realm of maybe unknowable questions, do you have a sense of how many cases you've been a part of during your time at Darden since, since 98? Oh boy. Okay. So Maybe about eight years ago, seven or eight years ago, I had 400. Now, that is cases and technical notes. Um, and there might be a couple exercises in there, but they get archived, right? They get retired. Some never even made the transition to Darden Business Publishing because they get old. You know, they're not used anymore. Nobody buys them. Well, if they're not used at Darden, and then if nobody buys them through uh, what became Darden Business Publishing, um, then, you know, they, they disappear. So that was, you know, I, I can't, I can't really tell on average, you know, 25, 30 a year, 20, you know, and, and then it depends too, because some functional areas you can write cases in, in less time, right? Um, because all that we really need, it's, is, um, you know, a practitioner, I, I'm thinking of there's some functional areas where, where it's, it's easier to write because it's shorter. So there's almost, it's almost like a three or four, three page case. It doesn't take a lot of background. Uh, you don't just don't need that to teach a concept, right. Um, or, or unfold a framework. Others really require a lot of work and thought, you know, so cryptocurrency is, there's an example. I mean, it's such a complex thing. Um, so there's some things that are just in extraordinarily comp complex that you really have, you know, to, to, so students can have a grasp at it. You really have to dig in on that. Um, so that takes longer. Still 25, 30 cases a year is, is incredible. Um, I wonder Probably also a little unfair. Do you have a favorite case or something that you worked on recently that you <laughs> just really, really loved? Oh, Brett, they're all my favorite babies. <laughs> the only ones I don't are the dogs that don't work in the class. <laughs> and I mean, and that's the extraordinary thing about it, right? Because if you come and say to me, oh, I need a case on, you know, will you, well, okay, so an ERP system. I mean, it just sounds so clunky. And I'd written um, one several years ago, and I just remember really enjoying the company. And so, and I didn't know what an ERP system was. And so it's, and ERP is enterprise resource planning. And then, it's, it's all now digital and things. And I was just going, oh, thanks, you know. And and now writing one that is digitalized, writing, you know, update, students still need to know because they are considered the backbone of many, many businesses. And so it's changed. So writing about that has been fascinating because I went, oh, wow, I had no idea, right? Well, of course, I have no idea about any of these things. <laughs> But, um, and it's kind of fun too with, so we, you know, of course, data science is huge and data analytics is huge. So um, we have a data, uh, data scientist on the, on the case researcher team group within our group. And so his materials, we all read everything that he works on. 
because I've learned about digital twins are neural networks, all these words. And I don't know anything about it, but I know what the words mean now, right? Because of, of, of what my, you know, other, uh, my colleagues in my group are working on. So yeah, we read each other's cases and technical notes and teaching notes so that we can stay current. So we know, so they're all my favorites, but I suppose everybody else's are more favorite than mine. I like their work better. <laughs> I love that idea about the constant learning, you know, constantly, you know, learning from your colleagues and staying engaged. And I mean, obviously, business is always, always changing. Um, and so that's coming, coming into your work. I just have to imagine all the work that goes into that such a payoff to get to see the discussion. I mean, that's what the case is about, right? It's not just to write it. It's a, to see it as a teaching um, yeah. tool. It is. And it's exciting to see what the faculty do with what's, with like you have no idea that that's how it's gonna you know because I don't I don't understand their what they know uh, and their theoretical models and frameworks and those kind of things so it's you know they give the guidance and things but when I see what they do with it that is that's never disappointing that's and of course as you as you can imagine yeah I mean I've been going to business school for almost 25 years now because I get to see all these cases. So I've been a student, really. So uh, a couple more questions for you, Jerry, as we wrap up here. Um, given all the work that you've done on you know, case, case development here at the Darden School, do you have any advice for students about learning through the case method? You've seen a lot of classes. You've been going to business school for 25 years, as you've noted. Read them. <laughs> Fair point. <laughs> well, I know, you know, students get busy. They have a lot of reading, but um, there is value to reading it. I think I think that what I would share is that one, our students are so good to always they they will answer when I'm looking for case protects. They know what I need. And if they can't help me, they will they will find someone in their organization or someone outside their organization. So when you're reading those cases, you can sometimes think when you're in the real world and go, I'm a business case study. I am exactly what, uh, you know, this would be really good in the classroom. Reach out to us. Let us know. Instead of me, you know, sometimes, you know, I might not reach out to you, right? But um, every year there, I have students that come to, to find me, seek me out. And I don't know how they know how do but they will and they find me maybe they just see me walking in I don't know but um and so 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 just for for students and reading the cases in terms of um when what students will always come back to me and say was I had no idea at the time that that case um uh, because they'll remember the cases they'll remember the company they will remember an issue um and then when they find themselves relating to that you know, sometimes I'll even get, you know, an email or a, or, or a call or something going. So there was this case. Can you send that to me? Um, I want to share it with my team or, you know, things like that. It's really kind of interesting. So the cases will stick with you. That I've definitely heard from from alums. And it makes sense, right? Because you have this whole story of this narrative structure around something something that you learned and you had a whole discussion about it by the way um and all, so much of this makes it sticky 
Um, well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. What a treat it was to, to learn more about how a case comes together. I, I learned so much of this conversation, Jerry. Thank you for doing this. Well, thanks for having me. And that was my interview with Jerry Yemen, Senior Researcher and Executive Director of the Darden Case Writing and Research Group here at the Darden School of Business. As always, if you have any comments, suggestions, requests, anything you'd like for us to cover here on the podcast, we're all ears. We can be reached at Darden, that's D-A-R-D-E-N, at virginia.edu. Until next time, stay safe, be well, and thanks for listening.